0: We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy, one conversation at a time.
1: Three, two, one, zero, ignition. So, Tony Willoughby with Catalyst Pharmacy on the Catalyst podcast.
0: So, what's your favorite Dolly Parton song?
2: Um, I Will Always Love You. How's that?
0: Oh. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So, we have a baby in here who didn't know. So, what a any Dolly Parton songs. We were listening to a little... Uh,
1: we have like a pre-workout playlist. And it's not even a set playlist because last week it was like 80s rock and... Now we're listening to no
0: no, no 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 that's not just 80 rock it was jukebox hero come okay. on let's let's okay, all it was 80. literally yeah. one song on a loop <laughs> that's how but, I roll Mark
1: but today it was Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton
0: yeah was Start the, off was a little uh, little little ge- yeah we had a little Gambler then little mm-hmm. Islands in the Stream look at this we're connecting <laughs> we're good to go
1: well we're in the right age demographic so.
0: What are you saying?
3: Tony's already regretting joining. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, he's
0: like, why am I here? I am I am yep. easygoing. You're good.
1: <laughs> okay, so um, talk to us about you. You are Catalyst Pharmacy, and also there's one other, Stratify. Stratify Health. No. Stratify, Stratify Health. Health.
0: And I think Catalyst.
2: Yeah, we've got a lot of brands, too many brands.
0: Yeah. What does Tony Willoughby do for fun?
2: Oh, for fun uh, works too much, but he loves his work. Um, I, I
0: I understand that. Yeah, I certainly do.
2: Yeah, no, I have uh, I have three three boys. They are nineteen, newly seventeen, and twelve. Uh, wow! And so when I'm not in these four walls, I'm usually uh, relearning calculus or. U.S. history or playing golf or going to baseball games or coaching baseball or escaping from all, everything with my wife to um, pre-COVID travel and now just to drive around in the car aimlessly and spend time together. <laughs> and, uh, so, so
0: everybody wants to know, was was the 12-year-old, hey, honey, let's have another, or was it, what did you do? Oh, it was 100%.
2: What did you do? Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. But let's not let him listen to this. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 so, this is, I'll share the story, getting to know me. Um, I was in my role at Target leading the pharmacy and clinics in the western US and we had decided we were going to move back to the south. And I was in my home office and my wife was going for an appointment before we moved because every time you move, you got to transition, you know, docs and care teams and, and so forth. So I'm in my office, just got off a conference call, trying to tie up loose ends. And she walks in and says, hey, I need to tell you something from my appointment. This is like days before the moving truck shows up. And she said, I'm pregnant. I mean, no, I guess we're pregnant. Um, We're having another child. (laughs) And I said, yeah, that's not funny. Um, I gotta get back to work. (laughs) And so that's as much as that was planned, but. Davis is 12-year-old's name and he uh he has taught us how to relax and have fun in a really meaningful way. So Cool.
0: So are you more like grandparents now or still like cuz a lot of times <laughs> when you have a kid and they're kind of separated, you kind of forget how hard you had to be to make the other ones right. You start thinking it was easy.
2: Oh,
3: and then yeah, you're too easy. Yeah. Is,
0: is that going on? Kind of
2: Yeah, he's entitled and angry but
0: um, yes, exactly.
2: What a kid feels like when they come back from the grandparents, but that's our own doing, not his fault.
1: Okay. So I'm kind of curious because I read that you went on a baseball stadium tour with your son. Did you get to go to Yankee stadium before they built the new one?
2: I did not. I did not. I've been to the new one. That was one. one
1: I missed on my bucket list.
2: Yeah. I grew up a huge Don Mattingly fan because i'm a kid of the 80s but never made it to yankee stadium until the new one came online
1: so um why don't you tell us what is a day in the life of tony willoughby like between the two pharmacies how do you balance that
2: yeah um
1: what does your week look like
2: my week look like i'm gonna widen the aperture on that a little bit so We are a group of companies um, started as Stratify Health, which when it was first envisioned, um, we have the the broad mission of helping communities thrive. And our original strategy, which is still a strategy, was to help communities thrive uh, through keeping the independent physician independent and empowering the independent physician by surrounding the physician-patient relationship with expanded tools and services to take the best care of their patients. And if we did that, we would improve the quality of life for the physician, for the patient, we would reduce the total cost of care, and ultimately those dollars that we reduce from the total cost of care could be used by employers, payers, patients to invest in other parts of their wellness and other parts of their lives. Tony, you
3: you talked about your your kind of integrating pharmacist into the the care team um, in an ACO model. What what kind of roles are your pharmacies playing with with the care team um, and the patients? And also, I guess too, the second part of that question too would be, what types of patients is Catalyst Health RX kind of uh, I would say interfacing with more so than the others?
2: Sure. So the the predominant patient is the chronic condition patient that resides the longest under the care of the primary care physician. So one could imagine that's a lot of um, complex cardiometabolic disease state patients, diabetics, COPD, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, um, CAD, uh, those multi-chronic patients that have frequent impact collisions with their primary care provider. the primary care provider could use an extra set of hands to continue to keep that patient congruent to the care plan set, set by, the, by the physician. So that's the predominant patient type. How they function is to extend the physician's conversation outside the exam room. Now a typical physician interaction with a patient happens in a finite period of time of 15 to 20 minutes where they come in, they connect, they listen, they assess, they address what's going on with the patient. Um, Try to educate the patient as much as they can, try to hear the patient as much as they can. The patient gets the next step in that care plan and then they walk to their car. And as soon as they start walking to their car, they start generating questions, right? And start trying to uncover the next iteration of that care plan. What our pharmacists do is we have workflows that connects that patient in more and more real time. Um, There used to be gaps in it, but we're refining our processes to get it more and more real time to connect with that patient to expand the, the conversation or extend the conversation around what that care plan means for them. What are the components of that care plan how medication plays into that care plan and really dive into what their belief systems are around adopting that care plan.
0: Is that something that you get trained on to, um, kind of that the social aspects there, or is that something that you have to train your staff more on?
2: Yeah, it's both Jeff. You know, one of our design principles is we're relational, not transactional. It takes a special, um, personality, in mindset and ability to connect um, to sit in that chair and play that role and we've been blessed with uh, it gives me chills a lot of times I <clears throat> walk upstairs and talk to the pharmacist just to hear their stories that that they they, they share because I know I love that and they're just good at creating stories um, with patients but it takes a, a special mindset first And then there's some training in school with motivational interviewing and um, active listening skills. But that's definitely something that we build upon because that design principle of relational versus transactional is not just on that part of our the pharmacist part of our team. It's our total care team. Well, tell us a story. Sure. This is a great one. And, um, Angela Coe is one of our pharmacists. She was, our um, our first pharmacist that we put in clinic. You talk about change agility. We purchased the pharmacy. She was a pharmacy manager. of. we showed her five slides of what we dreamed the model would be. And we literally put her in a closet in one of the first clinics and said, go talk to patients. You'll do good stuff. It's very, um, strong operations and strategy execution on my part. Um, (laughs) And she's a, she's a beautiful person that's got a great clinical acumen. So she had a patient that she had had referred from a physician for uncontrolled hypertension. And she's talking to the patient and going through meds, doing med recs, asking about his belief systems and what's going on um, with him his blood pressure was 200 over 120, like near hypertensive emergency, he had had a couple ER visits, was going through her meds and noticed that he was on multiple inhalers as well. And also that both times she talked to him, he was out of breath. And she asked him, how, how often did are you using your, um, your rescue inhaler? And he said, I don't know, 10 or 12 times a day. I'm always out of breath, <laughs> um, which will cause – I'm not the best clinician these days, but that will cause your blood pressure to go up.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah.
2: And the, per, the the gentleman was on four or five um, hypertensive medications. Um, and so she said, okay, when did you start using um, – that much of your rescue inhaler. Well, it's when I switched from this corticosteroid inhaler. He didn't use that term, but go with it. I went from this steroid inhaler to this steroid inhaler. So she re-engaged the specialist, re-engaged the physician, told him what she'd uncovered, come to find out that he was having an allergic reaction to the new steroid inhaler, which was causing inflammation of his lungs, which was causing them to use the... Rescue inhaler, which was elevating his blood pressure. Removed the new steroid inhaler, switched it to one he tolerated it, weaned him off the um, rescue inhaler, and now his blood pressure is controlled on one medication. He reaches out to her all the time via email or text just to say thank you. He's a Medicare Advantage patient, and during open enrollment last year, he pinged all the different insurance carriers until he found one that we were preferred in to dispense because he probably doesn't know what Catalyst Health Rx is, but he will never leave Angela. Our pharmacists are our brand, our relationships are our, our, our brand. And we've got compendiums of stories, different, but just like that, where we have <laughs> we have patients that graduate from all their medications. We're not trying to fill all the prescriptions in the world. If we can get you off medications, that is fantastic. But they'll still call the pharmacist because they've become part of their community. Because community pharmacy isn't about brick and mortar, it's about community of people and relationships and how we work together so that we all thrive um together those are the
3: kind that's of type cool.
0: of
2: stories i get to hear about each day i know
0: yeah and you more I,
3: I need to, got, to hear more of those stories a, he said books of them basically yeah.
0: you need to vocabulary isn't you need to as shoot as us an email with a story a week or something that's good <laughs> I, that really makes me feel good about what we're doing and and how we're helping with all that
1: how has COVID affected your business
0: The
2: silver lining of COVID is it helped us understand what we were capable of. Within the um, first couple weeks, and I'm gonna bring back the aperture to the Total Catalyst Health Network. We did drive through testing on March 9th, whatever that first Sunday was when the presidential task force had their first Sunday afternoon briefing. That evening, our president, CEO, myself, and part of our team went and did drive-through testing for our first patients at one of our clinics. In the next two weeks, we took 5% of our physician network. uh, We took our physician network from 5% telehealth to 99% telehealth. Wow. We set up drive-through triage testing uh, throughout our network from that first beta site, and then we supported all of our physician practices in applying for and getting PPP loans so that they could take a breath from the financial headwinds that they were being bombarded with to focus on their patients. What that did for us is it showed us the power of having finite, resolute goals and working cross-functionally towards that goal using all the different acumens that we have in our organization and our network and our community partners. And so, although those were long, scary <laughs> um, days for a lot of reasons, um, it has really taught us a lot about what we're capable of what it also did for us is traditionally we had patients walking into a physician's exam room and receiving face-to-face care and then we would follow up with them virtually telephonically email and there was this dichotomy in experiences of one felt like healthcare and one felt like somebody just checking in on me and didn't feel as congruent when our network went to virtual visits and patients started experience their primary care physician in that virtual model, the acceptance rate of our care team model coming through that same channel increased rapidly. So, so we saw a big uptake of patient engagement on the front end of the outreach. Usually once we get them started, they engage and pull through and get really connected and um, stick with the, the care model. But that friction of brick and mortar to virtual, there's a transition moment. Now that the virtual moved upstream to how they accessed healthcare in the first place, at the first step of the supply chain, we saw a lot better pull through and integration of the total, total care model, which is now informing a lot of strategies for us. So the big impacts was how we work as a team, how we go our performance as a team, and then watching the transformation of the patient experience and a patient acceptance of evolving that experience.
0: When COVID's over, does it all go back to how it was or what portion of that do you think sticks?
2: I think there'll be a hybrid model going forward. I think there's gonna be times and um, moments when a patient's gonna need a brick and mortar solution and there's gonna be moments and pulse doses of staying connected in in a virtual format. So we're working right now to in our care delivery model to be able to um, support both. So there's changes we're making on where do we embed the pharmacist or the nurse or the social worker into the physician's workflow. How do we continue to move that closer and closer to the exam room, whether that's in office or or virtually? And then how do we use different channels of communication to keep that patient connected in a relational way um, with all the different individuals on their curated um, care team?
0: So... On the, the pharmacist side, is there a, a, a video component? So you say you're following up telephonically or email. Now that you've done more telehealth, which I assume has a video component, right? The doctor is a, has a, is a video component. Mm-hmm. Have you introduced a video component into the pharmacy side as well, we're the on care the, team?
2: We're in the process of launching that as we speak. Absolutely. Which opens up a lot of mobility in, in how that's delivered.
0: Yeah. It'd be super interesting to see how, and and maybe this creates probably before that people would have been super hesitant to turning on their video Mm -hmm. when talking to the care team. But maybe after this, since they're used to doing that with their doctor, people just get used to doing it. I I know one of the things we've done with a lot of meetings we've had is really push for video, you know, really push not to have a phone call with, with 10 people on there. We have to. And and I think we've seen more people willing to do video conferences than, than might have done been willing to do those in the past, um, even on the business side.
2: Absolutely. So we virtualized the majority of our care team. I'm in my office today, a building that we built almost two years ago that houses three 350 people. And on any given day, we may have 25 to 35 people in the building right now. Um, And we have become really intentional on how we interact um, globally as a team and then as teams within teams as well. So so we've used a lot of teams. That's a lot of team words, right? We've used teams as a a software (laughs) component. We've used Zoom as a software component. But we've had to become really intentional with our collisions or they wouldn't happen. And we've actually seen a stronger connection because of that intentionality. We're not waiting to say, oh, I'm going to stop and talk to Mark if I bump into him today. We're curating collisions to make sure that I bump into Mark. We have from 8.40 to 9 o'clock every morning. You guys are welcome to join. um, We have a company-wide town hall. And each day has a theme during the week, and then we'll have different campaign series. Um, And it is so much fun. We'll have a couple hundred people on there and somebody will be presenting and the chat sessions going crazy with recognition and wow, I'm learning something and encouraging each other. It, it It is built. Even though we've had physically distance, we've come socially closer as an organization by leveraging technology um, to be intentional with how we interact with one another.
0: Hmm. Super interesting, you, you talk about when when people lose a sense, like if you go blind, your hearing it's gets better, true. or, or you, yeah, your, your that's body good. takes, uh, substitutes in one of your other senses. And it'd be super cool, you always thought it'd be super cool maybe to be blind for a little bit and have some other sense come up and then get it back and see, do you, get, do you keep both? And and wondering how some of those things that that I agree that we've picked up on, how can that continue into everything goes back more to normal? How can we use that to still um, be more engaged? So a couple of things we've kind of hit up on in the last couple of podcasts. Um, One of those is just somebody saying that kind of independent physicians are kind of in the same boat as independent pharmacy today facing some of the same kind of challenges, the same kind of potential to their extinction. Uh, We've also noted that for a pharmacy to be successful in a community, and a lot of our pharmacies are in smaller communities, not Dallas, Texas in the world, uh, that they really need to be connected with their local physicians and things like that. So if you had to give independent pharmacy out there some advice on what their local physicians are looking for and how they could connect with them, what, what kind of advice would you give?
2: It's a great question. The first thing I would say that there's only a few letters difference in independent pharmacist and independent physician. Uh, the headwinds and the things that they're trying to overcome are, are very congruent. The, the model, the fee-for-service model is dying. Um, for the physician, just as a fee-for-product model is ultimately dead for community pharmacy and now, um, which is sad uh, that we got stuck in an old paradigm for so long that now that paradigm is E- evaporate it. There's plenty of people that you guys can have on the podcast that can talk about pharmacy reimbursement and the headwinds and the pain associated with that. But I would tell you independent pharmacy to a certain extent is a canary in the coal mine for the independent physician. With a hope in my eyes that that can be taken, um, as a catalyst, pun intended, to help the transformation from this fee for service to value-based reimbursement to prospective payment for services and outcomes versus a tick fee for every time I bring a patient into um, an exam room. So I use all that to frame that if I was an independent pharmacist trying to imagine against that frame How to narrow my focus and impact an independent physician is to understand that they're standing in shoes that you have worn um, and try to think about what it would be like to go back and wear those shoes again and where they could use help. So the pharmacist five years ago that said, oh, I'd love to offer all these care services, but I can't stop filling prescriptions. Well, there's probably a physician that would love to expand services and spend more time with patients, but they got to see a certain amount of patients to pay their staff. So as an independent pharmacist, what could you hold? What could you extend to allow them to do that? I'll give you just a really finite example that has minimally to do clinically I might have used this before when I've spoken to groups with you guys. When we first launched our, our MedSync program in 2016, we looked at the first hundred patients we put in the program. They were all from the same practice that we started with, the one where we put Angela in the closet. And we looked at the number of prescription phone call requests that went back to the office from those patients in the previous year and there was 17 prescription incident refill alerts per patient that went back once you dive into a physician workflow that usually equates to 3x touches so what is this 34 51 51 touches per patient not for care But to refill a prescription because somebody at some pharmacy somewhere just kept hitting F12 to resend a prescription refill request so that they could say, Mrs. Jones, I keep asking your doctor and they just won't do anything with it, right? When we put them in our MedSync program, we took that average from 17 down to 3 because we were coordinating those all around a sync date holding the refill requests until they were needed, and then prospectively communicating those around appointment times for those patients. So think about the impact to the doc that's in the exam room at 545 with that last patient, and they're in their EMR, and they see in their inbox 100 items to review for prescription refills. Think about the dynamic emotional tension that's going on in that moment when that physician wants to go home and spend time with their kids or have dinner, but also wants to give the best care in this moment to this patient. And because it's all transactional and we're all working on our own, they're not given that choice or that choice is put put at risk, if you will. So understanding that as a pharmacist that a MedSync program isn't just about you it's not just about organic growth of prescriptions or optimizing your own workflow there is a ripple effect in the whole care continuum if you decide in your MedSync program that you're going to stop hitting F12 and take some ownership of curating those prescriptions and consolidating them to communicate in a more precise way to that physician. You'll change a patient outcome because of that. That's a lot of words around a use case is what I'd advise pharmacists to do is to practice empathy. Think about what's going on in the workflow of their healthcare partner in the community and look for ways that they can be a problem solver or an extender however minute that might be for that physician
0: yeah what what a great icebreaker for knocking on the door no doubt and saying hey we're interested in how we can make your workflow better
3: no doubt and how
0: we can work better i mean what a what a what not a water bay. i don't even need a pie right i, no, just, no. I just gotta say hey how can i you how can
3: i help you you don't need starbucks you just need to go how
2: can i get you home
0: earlier Marcia says she still wants a Starbucks. (laughs) You know, change management,
2: change adoption is about short-term wins. Is that fair? Mm
0: -hmm. No, that's great. That's fair.
2: When when you go in and you talk to a physician and say, hey, if you send me all your patients, I'll make them more adherent from now and you'll perform better in your value-based contracts. And maybe 18 months from now, a payer may decide to share some of that savings with you. So trust me, in 18 months from now, you may get a dopamine squirt that shows you satisfaction in this relationship. I don't know. That's, that's yeah. a hard sell, right?
0: Yeah. That's the face we need to use on the the, uh, the podcast deal. <laughs> that, that face you just had right there, that, and that needs to be Tony's face for the... Yeah,
3: that'd be great.
0: <laughs> no, that was good. Yeah, no, that's, that's great advice.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a tough sell. It's a tough thing to say
0: yes to. Hey, can you, can you combine scripts? Are, are you doing that with scripts? Are you combining those more in a fax so that you can combine them more for the physician? How would...
2: Yeah, we're... we're unique animal at the zoo, right? So we live in the EMR. So we're actually communicating um, in a different mode. We're a group of independent physicians. So we like to say we're on 13 common EMR platforms in 26 instances. (laughs) right? (laughs) But we build our teams in a way where they work sets of physicians and panels of patients. So once a pharmacist is assigned to a clinic, that's their community of physicians. And once a patient is assigned to a pharmacist, that's that patient's community of pharmacists and tech. So most of our communication goes, once the referral, the initial referral connection with the patient is made, most of that goes back through, through the EMR. If I was in a world where I didn't have that, I would try to aligned medications not just looking at a sync date for a given drug for the the drugs that are on hand i would all start so start running in parallel synchronizing as those prescriptions run out so that you can ultimately get to whether it's a singular fax or a singular batch of e-scripts or whatever works best for your system i have an opinion that It would be eScript, not fax, for a lot of different reasons to optimize your tech and your systems that good people like yourselves have built. But I would run those parallel sync streams to get to that, to enable it. It's a long road to get to an independent pharmacy having direct access into an EMR when you're not in a extended care team, ACO structure.
0: Yeah, and maybe their EHR. If they got those e scripts the same day, they would group them together.
3: I can look. I get to look at this patient. You hope it's in a uh, displayed in a way where they get to look right, at that you patient. Right. You grab once. one pull the file right, and get right, on down right, the list right. and, and not, find another one. And not look at that patient 15 different but, instances.
0: Uh, no, that's good. That already makes me think of how some things might change right. and in Pioneer just because of that. Because a lot of times we prompt for the refill right when you you're out of the next, but maybe those queue up to so many days before the the sink or something like that. So.
2: That that was a workflow change we made. So after one of your visits, or I think it was one of your visits when you actually sat in the chair, which was phenomenal and speaks volumes about you, um, and showed us around the system a little bit, we backed up our refill request process to pre-patient outreach to where we would go look in the, we would see it on our sync calendar, we'd go look in the EMR, make sure they were still intended to be on that drug, look through the total grouping of drugs to see if anything was refill out of sync, see if there was an appointment at the physician coming up, and actually run that play before we even reached out to the patient, which was a really helpful pivot on how we were approaching um, refill curation. Look at you. Look at you making an impact. Didn't even know it.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> so what is what does Catalyst Health look like in 5 years? What are you you're, you're uh, the
2: 5 minutes maybe.
3: Um, you're the dreamer.
0: <laughs> what what's it 5 years from now? What's it look like?
3: But no, that was great. That was a good audible.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> that
2: was great. Bring that back a few wrongs. Right. Our goal is to connect stakeholders to empowered physicians to impact lives and shift dollars, right? To help communities thrive. What we're really trying to look at, I'd put in five broad domains. One is how do we alter the, the, um, the payment model? How do we continue to evolve this advanced care team model? How do we deliver it across multiple channels, multiple delivery channels? I talked earlier about moving the pharmacist and the nurse closer to the patient experience with the physician. How do we go to healthcare deserts to deliver it where we don't have brick and mortar or they may not have virtual capabilities, right? So what's that multi-channel delivery? How do we use tech and data to enable that process? And what are the downstream ancillary services that help shape that that care model? So those are like the big swim lanes or thought process of how do we wake up with a consumable product that's helping communities thrive, that's matching our purpose and our mission. What does that look like for pharmacy specifically? As I love the idea of community pharmacy not to be about boxes her sidewalks, her drive-throughs, but about relationships. And so how do we build a set of interactions and technology that just continue to surround a patient with a community of people that they know, that have training as pharmacists or nurses or physicians, that help them hit their personal health goals. So do we wake up in a day and age where you have that care team on demand in your pocket, on your surface, um, or in the exam room, or any way you want to interact with them that always has time to connect with you and listen to you and help you overcome the barrier that you're facing? Uh, that would be you know, a, a fantastic outcome that those five swim lanes have to continue to evolve to, to make that happen.
3: You mentioned golf and golf with the kids real quick. We, we, I think we're done with the work talk for the most part. What's your handicap? I mean, I'm interested in your handicap. What, what are you,
2: are what, you any good? What, what that, are you cruising are you really with there? there? Uh, I'm so, a, literally
3: a bogey golfer a, or, or at best I'm a bogey golfer. I'll say that. It's like
2: four and a half or five. Dang, I knew it was going to be good. I knew it was going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Yeah. I used to play a lot. I grew up playing, and then um, my dad had to quit playing because of health concerns, and I stopped cold turkey for 10 years, didn't touch a club, coached a lot of baseball during those 10 years, and then about a year and a half ago, the boys started wanting to play, uh-huh. and I dusted off the clubs. So I can go out and shoot 78 or shoot 98 it just matters how well i can keep all the space in between my ears clean at any (laughs) moment and um yeah and the kids are funny because they're just performers so uh, they have no idea of play the next shot it's all about the score and where they've been and and going (laughs) on so that's a that's a learning um experience we have together
3: yeah no doubt. Yeah, they just don't approach it the same way, right? When you're that young. They and
1: approach it happy Gilmore style. Well
0: well, Tony, we enjoyed spending this time with you.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely I know your time
0: is valuable and sounds like you continue to do amazing stuff and hopefully we'll keep seeing you at Connect if we ever get to actually physically connect ever again, which so I'm sure we will. And and uh deal. kudos to you and everything you're doing.
1: Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thanks for allowing me to connect with you today. Take care. All right. See All, you. right.
0: Thanks.
1: All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this Catalyst podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow Pioneer X on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.